Turn in your Bible, if you would, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and also 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. We welcome you by way of live stream, all you folks that are joining us tonight, and by way of radio. We're so glad that you've joined us tonight from Joshua, Texas, Joshua Baptist Church. We're so honored that you would tune in this evening. In your Bible now, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Just take it and hold the pages there. It, uh, there's not many pages in between that. Just by way of introduction, we are going verse by verse through the book of 2 Corinthians. And we have landed at chapter 8 and chapter number 9 where Paul is teaching the church at Corinth concerning grace given or New Testament principles concerning giving. In the New Testament, we do not give according to law. We give according to grace. I believe that with all my heart. And uh, we're talking tonight about grace given. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the date is approximately 59 A.D., And Paul writes, now concerning the collection for the saints, the saints at Jerusalem who are having a very difficult time. First Corinthians 16 verse 1. And Paul is saying, 59 AD, right into the church at Corinth. Now concerning the collection for the saints, he's taken an offering from all the Gentile churches to help the saints at Jerusalem that has fallen upon hard times. And there's all kinds of, of uh, examples or uh, reasons why people think that they've fallen upon hard times. The Bible says there's a great famine in the land. Not only that, Paul had persecuted the church tremendously and ferociously and probably had made some of the women there uh, without a, wife, a husband that probably he had incarcerated the husband or maybe had even stood by and watched him die. And Paul had a burden for the folks at Jerusalem. So he writes, this is how you need to take the offering now. I'll be by in about a year and we'll pick up the offering and take it back and distribute it to the saints at Jerusalem. He said, now concerning the collection for the saints, As I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Now, Corinth is not the only one participating in this offering. Churches in Macedonia also. And he says, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So if you lay up each week, As God has prospered you, when I come to take the offering back to Jerusalem, there won't be any need of running around and trying to take special offerings so that we have to gather up the offering. You get that? So now he comes to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And he says to him in verse number 1, he said, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. Out in a great trial of affliction and abundance of their joy and their deep 
poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. He's talking about that offering that they're taking. Now, Corinth had encouraged Macedonia to give. And Macedonia had just fallen in love with the offering with the Lord. And they were given beyond their power. They were given their ability and beyond even in deep poverty. They were given, uh, they were very liberal with their giving. Boy, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Huh? Notice verse number 6. The Bible said in chapter 8, Insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you this grace also. He's talking about the grace of giving. And then he gets over here to chapter number 9, and he begins with this phrase. For as touching the ministering to the saints... That's almost what he said in chapter 16 uh, of chapter number 1. But now it's a year later. And he said, now I'm just as touching the offering that we're going to take up for the saints. It is superfluous. I said that today. Superfluous. (laughs) For me to write to you. For I know the forwardness of your mind for which I boast of you. To them in Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. You see that? Uh, the zeal of the Corinthian church had provoked and encouraged and motivated the churches of Macedonia to do the same thing. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I have said, you may be ready. Paul said, we're coming to get the offering, and I want it to be ready because I don't want to be embarrassed when it's not there. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren. Every once in a while, you get exhorted. We're going to start exhorting you the 1st of January. And we'll be exhorting you every single week. And in every single Sunday school class. And every single service about spiritual, biblical stewardship. We don't do it very often. We do it once a year. You know that, don't you? And some of you are a lot better off today because I did exhort you to embrace biblical principles. Amen. Notice if you would. I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up before your bounty or your grace offering or your grace gift. Wherefore, whereof you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty, not law, grace, bounty, And not of covetousness. Now quickly watch this. But this I say. Before you guys decide. On how you're going to handle this. But this I say. He which soweth sparingly. Shall reap. Also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully. Shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he has purposed. In his heart. So let him give. Not grudgingly. 
or necessity. For God loves what? Isn't that something? For God is able. How many folk believe that? For God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That ye always, you like that word? Always. Having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. You say, well, preacher, why ain't that happening in my life? Maybe I'll take a look at six and seven before you park in verse eight. Verse nine, as it's written, this is Bible. He said, he said, I'm quoting a verse for you. As it's written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, and there is, and the results of that, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now, he that ministered seed to the sore, both ministered bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Can I help you a little bit before we start? You can't eat all the seed and expect to have a crop. America is living way above her means. And the average American are living way above their means. And they charge it and they charge it and they charge it. And they think just because they come to church, God's going to bless them. Why should he? You only get multiplied the seeds you sow, not the seeds you eat. He gives you bread for your food. 90%. And some of you can't eat off 90%. You've got to have 100%. And when you eat the seed, I'm sorry, <laughs> there ain't no crop. Do you understand that? That the problem is you don't believe it. The problem is until you start embracing God's stewardship principles, you will not reap like God would have you to. Notice if you would please, Paul has a tremendous burden for poor saints at Jerusalem. Let me show you something, an exhortation, please, if you would, an exhortation in verse 1 through 9. Notice what he says and how he starts it out. For as touching the ministry to the saints. Now, folks, let me tell you something. If you don't have a soft place in your heart for other born-again Christians, there's something wrong with your experience. Paul had a burning desire, had a burden to his heart about the saints at Jerusalem, the tough time they were going through. And I'm saying to you tonight, if you and I cannot get concerned about brothers and sisters who's going through a hard time and having a difficult time of their life, uh, Paul says there's something wrong with us. We're talking about the ministry of the saints. Notice what he said about that church, if you would please. It is superfluous for me to write unto you. For I know the forwardness of your mind. Paul said, I know that a year ago, I witnessed 
the forwardness, the generosity, the burden that you had a year ago for the church, for the saints at Jerusalem. He said, I noticed the forwardness of your mind. For that which I boast of you of them Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked many. I wonder if maybe as missionaries come through our church, and I wonder as evangelists visit our church and preach, and I wonder as we are very gracious and generous to them, I wonder maybe if it is out all over America about our zeal that has provoked many because of our generosity. You can ask any missionary, any any evangelist, anybody who's ever come behind this pulpit, I'll guarantee they'll tell you that we are as generous or more generous than anybody in all the country. Uh, nobody is as generous uh, for as uh, for as benevolence. Uh, I just think that maybe our zeal, like their zeal, ought to provoke many and pro- forward their mind to be generous to the saints of God. Amen. I, I tell you. If I were an evangelist or I were a missionary, I'd join this church. Not because of the preaching, but because of the generosity of the preacher. Are you listening to me? And God sees that and God blesses that because if he blesses that which we've sown, then why do you think God has been so good to us? Because we care about other people and we get put God's money in other people and we're just scattering abroad and we're giving to the poor and we're giving to the ministry. And you know what God does? God blesses that which we sow, not that which we hover around and, and keep in a bank account someplace. Notice, if you would please, he said, your zeal hath provoked many. Notice, if you would please, under a, number one, their promise remembered. Notice you have a note there. I don't know if you still have your notes there. But now notice verses one through five. The promise remembered. Some of us have made promises over the years. Dear Lord, if you give this to me, we'll, we'll give it and so forth and so on. And, and we don't ever keep those in the office just to help you a little bit. Uh, everything you promised. It's between you and God, not between me and you. And, and you won't ever hear me say one thing about it because I don't even know about it and I don't even look. Every once in a while I look, see who's tithing and right before I start preaching on money. No, I don't. No, I, don't. I don't care. I can usually tell by your face and I start preaching, so I don't need to look at the records. <laughs> Amen. Have, I, have you ever heard me say now, it's time to look up? Have you, have, you ever, have you ever heard me say that? Because when I, I get in somebody's chicken yard, they start looking down. And I, I don't know. Notice now, the promise remembered. Paul is writing. And he said, it's superfluous for me to write. Yet, in verse number three, yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready, lest happily if they... Of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared. We, that we say not ye, should be ashamed at this 
confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would come before unto you and make up the, before the bounty. The brethren, what's he talking about? If you look back in chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 16 through 20, you'll see there that Paul told us last week that it's in Titus and two more to gather the offering. Some folks think it's Titus and Luke. I don't have any idea. If God wanted me to know, he'd have told me. Just somebody is going with Titus to take up the offering. Men of well report, men of character, men who have proven themselves. And by the way, you don't need anybody touching God's money in the offering that has not been proven. I mean, those ushers that take this money, that's no light deal. I mean, and these are men of integrity. And Paul said, I'm sending men of well-renowned, men of character, men of integrity to take this offering. I'm sending Titus, but I'm also sending probably Luke and one more who had every one of the church's uh, recommendation. Now, he's sending them and he's reminding them of their promise in verse 1 and 2. Notice Paul remembered Their zeal. He said, your zeal provoked many. Paul believed that they were serious when they made that promise. Don't promise God anything that you are not serious about. And don't promise God anything out of emotions. Have a ready mind. Make sure you and God's on the same, on the same kill. Make sure it's of faith and not emotions. Folks, let me tell you, emotions will get you in trouble every trip. Yes, sir. How many of you ladies, before you got married, some wild-eyed, stringy-haired guy said, I love you. <laughs> Sinking booger didn't even know what he's talking about. I love you. Same guy will say, I love bologna sandwiches. So maybe he loves you like he loved bologna. These girls over here, a lot of them think they're old maids at 14. (laughs) Lord, what am I going to do? I don't have a boyfriend. I tell you what, grow up. That's what you do. You grow up and have a good time before you, when them wild eyed, by the way, Boys stink. Girls, listen to me. When they, they, they stink. If they don't have something on tonight, they stink. You're welcome. That's free. (laughs) Notice a promise remembered. And he's sending a group of men to take the offering. And he's taken the offering. And you notice three and four. He, he gives a reason he's sending this delegation. He said, first of all, I'm sending just to spur you on and to remind you. You know, every once in a while, probably we need to be reminded of our spiritual stewardship, Amen. obligation, yes, and privilege to God. Amen. You know, you know uh, every once in a while we need to be... our pure mind need to be stirred up by way of remembrance. Amen. Amen. And we just need to show God we love him and tell God we love him. And the Bible said you do that through your giving. You prove the sincerity of your love through your giving. 
the first of February, the first Sunday in February this year, we're just going to show the Lord again that we love him. And we're just going to give it all that day. In fact, I'm going to give it more than all. Uh, we need, we need $100,000 that day, cash. Say, what you going to do with it? I found a real good dog up in Oklahoma that I... <laughs> we're going to finish the building. We sold $2.4 million worth of bonds. And $100,000 of that were services, audits, appraisals, and everything that it took for that. And we're $100,000 short. And we're going to get $100,000 that day to finish the building. Now, you folks that don't believe in credit, show up and that'll be $100,000 we don't need to borrow. And you folks that do believe in credit, go borrow money and give it. (laughs) You say, you wouldn't encourage folk to do that. Our folks has done that. The only reason you're in this building tonight, and the only reason you've been sucking up this air conditioning, this deep carpet and these good seats, is because men and women, before you got here, went to the bank and borrowed money, gave to this church so that we could build this building. So now you be kind. To these folks that's been here a while. Don't be so critical of them. Be kind of appreciative. Because it's this place. We're trying to raise your kids. It's this place we're trying to reach your family. And it's this place. Sacrifice of folks that's been here for years and years and years. And so there's just all kinds of ways of doing this thing. You see what I mean? And so he tries to spur them on in verse 3. And then he spares them in verse 4. He spared embarrassment of not being able to do what God wanted him to do. And I was talking today, I'll not tell you to whom. How many churches do you think within a 50-mile radiance of this church that is embarrassed tonight because they cannot pay their bills? They ought to be able to. They're not having any services. Not wasting any electricity on Wednesday and Sunday night, are they? And they're certainly not buying diesel fuel to send buses, try to win boys and girls. Mom and dad is the Lord. I just wonder what they're doing with all their money. Maybe there's a principle here of sowing and reaping. You understand that? I said, you understand that? And, and, And I was talking to a man today. And uh, trying to take an offering for the preacher and, and, and no, no offering. Uh, not able to pay the bills. There are several churches within 50 miles radius of this church that's going broke tonight. Amen. This is the reason. You reap according to your soul. And a lot of churches want the people to embrace that principle. But they do not want the church to embrace that principle. Dr. House will go to some of those churches and and get a $100 love offering for an all-week preaching and paid his expenses there. Brother Brian drove to Tennessee. Was it Tennessee? Drove to Tennessee, preached, and the guy gave him 100 bucks for being there. That didn't buy his gas. 
What's his family going to eat on this week? God will not bless that kind of situation. And so what Paul said is, I'm coming to get the offering you promised a year ago, and I'm sending three guys because I don't want to be embarrassed when I get there with those folks from Macedonia that I've been bragging about you to. That's what he said. That's exactly what he said. Notice, if you would please, a promise remembered, a principle reviewed. Verse 6 through 9, a simple fact. Watch this. 6, verse 6. A principle reviewed, a simple fact. But I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Can I illustrate? Last summer, when it came time to sow 45 acres of Sudan, I sow 40 some acres of Sudan every year, except last year. Because Sudan seed went from $14 a bag to $41 a bag. So I said to myself, self, <laughs> it's the year of Jubilee out at the ranch. <laughs> Scriptural, right, Doc? I'm going to let her lay by. Yes, sir. I just thought the seed was too expensive. So I just let the land lay. Now, the other farmers around me, they sowed Sudan. And for the first time, they got four cuttings off the Sudan. I got one cutting of weeds. Because I reaped what I sowed. I sowed nothing and I got weeds. What are you getting at your house? That works not only in Sudan. That works in attitude. That works with love. That works with kindness. That works with soul winning. That works with caring. It is a fact, a spiritual principle review. It's a fact. You're going to reap what you sow. You cannot sow corn and expect tomatoes. Unless you're Baptist. Because we expect to sow nothing and reap bountifully. A principle reviewed. A simple fact. Notice a spiritual fact in verse 7 and 8. Notice this fact. Notice where God looks in verse number 7. Every man according as he purposed in his what? So let him give. God is not looking at your gift. God is looking at your heart. You see that? God is looking at our heart tonight. He don't need our money. But boy, he sure wants our love and our adoration. After what he's done for us, surely God can expect something from us. Notice what he's looking. He's looking at our heart. Notice who God loves. Verse number seven, every man according as he hath uh, purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth, what? A cheerful giver. A what? A cheerful giver. Ain't that good? 
God's looking at the heart because he loves somebody who's got a hundred bucks and he just laughs it all the way to the offering plate. Now, if you'd have been a little boy with five loaves and two fishes and Jesus asked you for an offering, would you ask him for a knife so that you could give him 10%? I know people who would. Here, just a minute. Let me, let me cut 10% of this fish off. You can have that. Let's see. Five loaves of bread. Not equals not equals not. You get a half a loaf. What did the little boy do? Somebody tell me. Wow. Cheerfully. Maybe the little boy knew something we need to realize. Let's see if we can find it in here. Oh, verse 8. What a coincidence. And God is able. Hmm? That's what God lavishes. You see where he looks, your heart. He see what he loves, a cheerful giver. You know what lavish means? Generous outpouring of God. And God is able, is that what he says? To make, now notice, all... That's one all. All grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency. And in all things may abound to what? Every good work. Ain't that good or what? See, a simple fact, a spiritual fact. How about a scriptural fact? Look at the next verse. As it is written. Isn't that something? Paul always used the book when he's preaching. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor. Now that's not talking about God. If you look back to the book of Psalms, it's talking about a good man, a righteous man. A righteous man has scattered abroad, and a good man has given to the poor. And because of that, his righteousness, his righteous acts, his good deeds, his generosity, his godliness remaineth forever. How do you like that, Billages? More to this than just putting dough in the plate. There's more to this than just, hey, God blesses in several ways other than financially. If I was a teenager, I'd start tithing, start giving to God right now so that God would see that I love him and God would bless me and God might send somebody by that you can live the rest of your life with and they treat you right and try to do that and you and your husband or you and your wife can have a strong home for Jesus the rest of your life. That's better than find you down to the emergency ward with an unwanted pregnancy. All because you reap what you sowed. More to this than just giving money. Well, I'm done. You say, good. I want you to see something now before I close. And, and, and you know, you've already seen all the, all the good verses. But please, if you'd look at verse number 10 through 14, and I'll close. Now, 
I, I like the way Paul says now. Don't you? What that does, that kind of gathers our attention. You know, if you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden said, now, they'll always look up. Huh? I mean, if you're just talking to monotone, you know, you know. But every once in a while I say, now! And everybody wakes up. Hey, preacher must be going to say something. Now, Paul says, wake up, somebody. Hope nobody's pregnant. I had a miscarriage right there. Do that. would be a terrible situation. Oh, I have the baby right here. Now, he that ministered, Seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to whom? We need to realize where everything comes from to begin with. You understand that? You say, I've married a good husband that has a good job. Yeah, but God gave him the ability. Can you, you really realize that? For instance, if you look at verse number 10 and you think about it, and I don't want to expand on it, but everything in that verse is a miracle. Everything in that verse is a miracle. Because without God giving that little old hard, dry seed life, there would be no bread. And you think about that. There is no bread without a miracle being performed by a loving God. Take that little old dry seed. I mean, it's as lifeless as anything. Corn, wheat, barley, Sudan, whatever it might be. A little dry looking seed. But inside that seed, God has placed a miracle. You place that seed in the ground. God gives the rain. God gives the sun. And suddenly, something absolutely phenomenal takes place. Life. Only God can do that. It was a miracle you got the seed to start with. An absolute miracle. And we take it for granted, do we not? I said, do we not? You take God out of the equation and you got a dry dead seed, no bread, no bacon, no grounding, nothing. All you got is just what you got. You take God out of the equation, your home, and all you got is what you can get. Not life, death. Well, I need to close. Notice if you would please, and I'm closing. God multiplies our resources in verse 10 and 11. And there's a threefold process I want to give you, and then we'll go. Number one, the more we give is the more we grow. Notice what I said, and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. The more you sow, the more you get. Everybody agree with that? Second principle, the more we grow, I mean, the more we grow, the more we get. That's the second principle. Notice being enriched in everything. 
First principle, the more we give is the more we grow. Secondly, the more we grow, the more we get. God multiplies it. You put one grain in the ground, and I've counted the corns on a cob, and I know you have too. Forty-two rows and forty-two grains, twelve rows. How many seed you have to put in the ground to get that? What if there's three ears on one stalk? Two thousand plus little corns because you sowed one corn. The more you give, the more you grow. The more you grow, the more you give. Second, that last principle, the more we get, the more we give. Is that not so? How many folk remember the first stewardship meeting you ever sat in in this church? I remember the shocked look on your face. (laughs) we've been here long enough to see some folk if you want to watch our love for God watch our attendance during the month of January they'll kind of flake off a little bit let me close with this Paul closes with a verse. And when he closes and sums up chapter 8 and chapter 9, he takes us all the way back to Bethlehem stable. And he said, I'm going to sum up chapter 8 and chapter 9. I'm going to sum up the principle of grace giving. I'm going to sum up New Testament giving in a nutshell. And to do that, I'm going to take you all the way back to Bethlehem's manger. And he said, but thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God loves me. Have we ever given, have we ever given that much to God? For God so loved this old wicked stinking world that he gave his only begotten son. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation or a sacrifice for our sins. But God commended his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us if we gave all we ever have we will not have given near as much as God has to us don't get mad when the Bible talks about giving money after all the same Bible talks about God giving his son for us